Welcome to the Exit Your Business Your Way podcast with Ross Brayman, guiding business owners to the exit they deserve. Ross is a financial advisor who knows that business owners work too hard on growing and caring for their businesses not to leave it on their terms. Each week he interviews a different experienced business owner, expert, and other professionals ready to teach you effective, satisfying business exit strategies that will let you exit your business your way. Don't wait until it's too late. Start thinking exit now. Here's your host, Ross Brannan. Welcome to the show. My guest today is David Sider. David is a senior advisor to business owners and their businesses. He assists them through consultation, education, interaction, or all matters related to growing, selling, and buying companies. He is frequently tapped to address the following as a thought leader and go-to counselor in complex mergers and acquisitions involving nationally recognized businesses. He is also the author of Quiet Plans, Exciting Results. David, welcome to the show. Thanks, Ross. It sounds impressive. I hope I can live up to all of that. <laughs> well, as we were talking offline, you've been doing this a little bit of time. Talk a little about your background. 43 years and counting, the doctor said I'll be able to continue down this road for a while. But when I got out of law school, I thought I wanted to be a litigator. And Ross, I don't ever want to see the inside of a courtroom again. Uh, what I've determined is over time, and I think it was due to the fact as a kid, our family moved seven times, uh, moved seven times for my dad's uh, employment. And I, when it came down to it, it left a impact on me, on the difficulties of business owners in trying to figure out how to be successful. My dad worked for a variety of companies, very big companies, and started his own company. And I saw firsthand, you know, the difficulties. So I've, I've gravitated to that. While I uh, felt over the years I'd be a pretty good litigator, I really enjoy trying to help people solve the everyday ongoing problems that they have in running their business. And frankly, that transcends the law including like, let's go find a guy like Ross to help you with your financial plans. Let's find a CPA. You know, let's find the professionals we have to bring to the table to make you successful. So that over the last, really over the last 40 years, I evolved to that. In between, while I was a litigator for a while, I was also a bankruptcy trustee for a while. And me and the government, we just don't see eye to eye. That's just not something that I'm, I'm, I'm too far out of the box. As, as you know, because you're going through it with strategic coach, it opened up my eyes to become more entrepreneurial, think out of the box, uh, take the my legal background and try to evolve it into something that is highly meaningful for people to help them solve their problems and stop being an attorney for the sake of just saying I'm an attorney, but to use my legal degree to help people. So that's what I'm all about with an emphasis in dealing with M&As and now business succession planning really for the last 10 years. And so talk about the size transaction that kind of is your wheelhouse. My wheelhouse is anything other than publicly traded. And why do I say that? I've been involved in some of those, but those usually go to the very, very large firms that have many, many attorneys. While we have 450 attorneys, uh, we can handle about anything. Myself, I seem to gravitate one way or the other to businesses that are closely held. That is businesses that are held by you know, a group of individuals, sometimes 
husband and wife or a family, I seem to have an affinity for that. Now, having said that, one of the larger transactions I did was a $300 million in enterprise value. One of the larger transactions I was involved with was with a company in a, that does in excess of $20 billion a year and go around and pick up companies. So it's a little bit misleading to say I'm just working for closely held businesses because some are doing very, you know, are, are doing billions of dollars. At the same time, I've worked with some, you know, businesses that, where there's one or two million dollars, and I find it an enterprise value, and I find that meaningful because it is really, for some people, a sea change. I mean, it's retirement money. It's the kind of money that, you know, they can go home with the other savings they have and move to Florida and uh, find a place that they can live and take advantage of the great tax treatment you have in your state. And it becomes very meaningful uh, for, for me to be able to see the tears in their eyes right. when, when they're able to uh, you know, finally uh, get those monies and go into retirement. And it is a absolutely life-changing event. So, uh, you know, it touches me. I wish my father had had the same Result, he didn't. Uh, he's very happy in what he did. And he worked until oh, roughly six months before he passed. So he always had something to do. So explain to the people listening, if they may not know, what does an MA attorney actually do? And are you on That's the buy great. side or are you on the sell side? Both sides. Thank you. A lot of it is sell side. So people, most of the people that come to me are on the sell side. They have uh, one or two things going on, usually. Number one, they have a letter of intent, right? Somebody says they want to buy their business. So somebody, you know, somebody called me, oh, last week, as a matter of fact. There's a letter of intent, you know, will you polish it up? So I spent last week polishing up. The second one is usually a family type of situation. I have two of those that have come to me in August. Actually, August and first week of September. I'm buying out my partner or I'm buying out dad, or I'm buying out a brother, that sort of thing on the sell side. And the third is when um, usually it's a situation where the seller is looking to merge up with somebody and bring his company into someone else. Uh, so those are most of the situations that I've seen, you know, LOI exists, or there's some kind of a family issue we got to resolve or I'm going to be merging or combining my business with someone else. On the buy side, I've got clients that are constantly looking to buy companies. Right now, and it has been for the last eh, seven years, there's a lot of money out there, a lot of money chasing deals, a lot of money available still today. And so there are people that are very, very aggressive in trying to find businesses. So private equity groups or strategic buyers, somebody that wants to expand their footprint, you know, are constantly looking for acquisitions. I've got four of those. Let's see. I'm counting them up. I've got seven buy-side engagements right now. Overall, I probably have got about 12 to 13 active engagements. So when does a seller need to come talk to you? Because in my experience, they usually come talk to people like you and I, even though you and I do different things, later than they should. They should have been engaging us 12, 24, 36 months prior, but they usually don't. It's human nature, I suppose. When should someone be calling Dave? You and I probably know something through the strategic coach called the retirement trick. And that is to say, I, well, let me back up for a minute. So 
there is at any given time in one's life, and it could happen when you're, frankly, in your 30s. I've got one of those going on right now, where they're not really sure about a way forward, okay? That could be a lot of different things. Certainly, uh, most people come talk to me are in their 60s, and they think that they can see the end in mind. But there's always what I call a catalyst. There is something that's causing them and triggering them to say, I need to do something. Maybe they've not come and talked to any professional. But at the end of the day, they're going, I need to do something. Something isn't right. So I always try to search out what that catalyst event is. Could be a death. Could be one that I'm working on right now. It's a divorce. Okay, so they think they have to change, you know, their life. Sometimes it's it's family. It's time to take dad out. So I always ask, what is the catalyst? What is the event that's causing them to come, you know, and talk to me? But I usually find with people on an annual basis, I will send out a listing of annual minutes that they ought to have. But I also send to them a strategic plan, courtesy of our friends at BEI to talk about strategically, where are you going with your business and what is your exit program? I would ask that as they begin to see that there's something else, and it's probably a catalyst, I turn them on to the exercise you and I know is the retirement trip. Great, tell me about what, if you weren't working today, what would you do? And I, through that step, I assess you know, whether or not they're closer to doing something else, i.e. retirement or another business that maybe they're aware of. And at that point, if they pass steps one or two, I start the process of laying out how do we get to that eventuality. And through the retirement trip, what I usually discover is there's something that they're going to. It sounds strange. If they're going to something, I can help them. If they're running away from something, I can help them, but it's probably going to be something different. So the question becomes, can I or will they share with me where they think they ought to be because it ain't where they are right now, if that makes well, sense. Well, it's interesting you say that because obviously for those of you listening, you, you may have picked up Dave talking. He and I both have extensive experience with strategic coach. And if you're a business owner, you should consider a strategic coach. Um, it's definitely there's a lot of value in that. But you know, the one thing that they talk about is Dan Sullivan, the the creator and the founder of Strategic Coach. He's he's a fairly anti-retirement guy. And right. and what's interesting is a lot of people when they retire, they're like, oh, I'm going to travel. Oh, I'm going to play golf. Well, you can only play so much golf. And you can only travel so much. Maybe you want to do more, but you really have to have a plan afterwards. And, you know, the worst thing you could do at 40 years old is sell your company for 500 million bucks. Because if you don't have a plan, I mean, you're going to go insane. And so obviously some people are, you know, if they're, if they've been working for 40, 50, 60 years, they're burned out, they're taking their time off, you know. And maybe it's an inside sale transaction where it's a little bit, you know, you can still, still be a part of it, but you go sell to private equity, you know, you have a manufacturing business, you sell to private equity, you're done, you're gone. And you have to have a plan. If you're truly an entrepreneur, then okay, go start another business, go be a consultant, do something like that. But your point is right by asking them on the front end, it's like, okay, what's your next step? Because while you think you have some idea what retirement looks like. You don't, because I've seen people who go into depression in retirement. Right. 
contrary to what the financial services industry paints it as, it's not the panacea people think it is. You have to have a plan. Well, to your point, one of the questions I ask is, what is the date you're going to die? And I don't. I think they did that in strategic coach, but I've really adapted that because I'm convinced with the way medicine is going. Hell, I don't know how long we're going to live, right? And I everyone mean, I, I, under they, they under undersell themselves. Oh, I'm going to die. My dad would die at 72. If I make it to 75, no. If you're higher net worth, higher income, with you're going to be in your 90s more than likely. We're right. rich, highly highly educated, and higher income people are living longer. I mean, I'm not saying it's fair. I'm just telling you what the data is saying. And to your point, I just say, let's make it easy. You're going to live to 100. And usually that scares everybody because they're going, I don't know what that looks like. And I said, well, let's go back to the uh, 70s and the bionic man. I mean, pretty soon, none of our joints are going to be our own. I met a couple of guys that I work out with. They both had uh, knee surgeries, a complete knee replacement. It only took them six weeks to recover. I mean, medicine, surgery, whatever it is. So the ultimate reality is, and and I've seen some friends, to your point, do this, where they retire in their 50s or early 60s. They're bored out of their mind. What are you going to do? Now, having said that, that's okay, right? You and I would both agree. But I think for people to be happier in life, and that's part of the quotient I like to factor in, let's figure out what you're going to do next. I have found with those people that have concrete one of two things, concrete views of what they're going to do next, they can sell. I mean, it's just really easy. The other ones I find that are very successful, I've got one guy, and I write about him in the book, but he had a plan back in the 80s, I mean, for every year, and he executed. And when he got to a certain point, he sold. Now, that's unusual. I don't find a lot of people like that. In a perfect world, let's talk about taking bits and chunks out of the elephant. Let's not eat the elephant all at once. Let's just take bits and pieces. Every year, if you can prepare a little bit for that eventuality, your your days ahead. I think Tony Robbins said one time, you know, I think he said a long time ago, one of his courses that um, he said of all high school students, only 2% set goals. And of those 2%, they achieved 100% of their goals. I've seen that with my own firm. We set a very aggressive goal and we hit it because what I find over the years is people don't do enough goal setting. And usually the first set of goals are pretty much low hanging fruit. If you can see it, if you can believe it, if you can do it, you can achieve it. That's just the way I look at it. Yeah, that's that's fantastic advice. It's really critical that, you know. If you're going to sell, you sell for the right reasons, you know, what, what and, and there's multiples of right reasons, but whether it's, it's time to move on, whether you want to, I mean, like I'm dealing with a client right now, they are negotiating with private equity about selling their business. Right. And the reality is this person makes for per the IRS about a million and a half dollars a year, but they pay themselves about 10 grand a month and they literally live on about 120 grand a year, they're never going to stop working. But the only way they can realize the fruits of their labor is to sell, get a lump sum of X amount and stay on with the earn out and continue doing that, doing it. They're just wired differently than a lot of other people. And, and honestly, they're getting to a point now where, you know, with the comp, the competition for employees, they were going to have to, add a lot more benefits that was going to cut the bottom line. Yeah. They didn't really want to do that. 
And so this is for them that makes sense, even though they're going to continue working, they will never stop working. They will go insane if they do. So what are some, what are some mistakes that you see business owners who are either looking to sell or already in the sales process that they make that they could, with the right advice, they wouldn't make those mistakes. I think one of the things that I ask people to do right away is what I call a waterfall. You got a number, right? Let's say you have an LOI. Well, sit down with your account and your tax attorney and figure out when it's all said and done, how much money are you going to net? I am more often than not, that's not done. And by the time and people by the get way, to, can you live on that? What kind of income will that generate? That's the second, that's the second point. And, you know, a lot of times people come in, here's the LOI, so they're in place going forward. And then I try to back up and look at that. And, you know, I don't want to say it's too late, but they really don't want to talk about it. In my experience, once they see the number, they're hooked, you know, and there's there's more planning that can be done. The second thing is if you want to sell your company, set it up for tax planning. There's all sorts of devices to be used, like a deferred sales trust. A, a, a hybrid of a, a irrevocable slash spendthrift trust, things that you can do to limit tax liability. Okay, well, that's as, as a, a good suggestion. point. That's a really good point because these are complex strategies that, quite frankly, the average attorney and the average CPA and the average financial advisor really aren't aware of unless they either are true students or they're in this market. And um, it can save hundreds of thousands, millions, tens of millions, depending on the transaction, of taxes. And it's really important to evaluate all the options. And you know, uh, now sometimes I've seen people, they're selling for $2 million and they try to do these complex tax strategies. And I'm like, at that sales price, you're wasting your time. Just take the tax, to pay the taxes and move on. But at least, yeah, to your point, at least explore them, but then, you know, make a decision. You know, the number one issue is the cash. Right. You know, I don't to me. And again, everybody looks at it differently. There's some people that don't agree with my philosophy. If you're doing it for tax reasons, don't do it because you're not going to be happy in the long run. In my experience. Well, don't I don't think, make a decision based on taxes. Right. Alone. <laughs> right, right. It's like, don't make an investment yeah. just because it has yeah. tax benefits. Make the investment because it's a good investment and the tax benefits right. are an added bonus. Yeah, and I mean, that applies to financial planning generally, right? Just, you know, that's what we would suggest. But everybody's wired a little bit differently. I think the third thing to do is there is the euphoria about the opportunity to sell the business. There is something called deal fatigue that kicks in at every deal. And that is you just get worn down going through the process. People will say, you know, how much does it cost? You know, I will sometimes I'm giving them the right number. Sometimes I'm giving you the wrong number, meaning I'm never sure because I am one of, of several people involved. Right. There's myself. There's the client. There's the attorney on the other side and his client. Then there's probably a CPA, a financial planner, a bank, a lot of moving parts. But you need to be prepared to spend typically six figures. I mean, it's just kind of a rule. Having said that, at the same time, the real question is how long is this going to take? Most people that I've dealt with try to manage the sale of their business and run their company. 
that is a level of stress that is unbearable. So you've got to find good people to bring in around you to help you because selling a business and running a business, two full-time jobs. It's well, just what very, I've very seen, overwhelming. Well, because the level of detail required, because most people aren't as detailed as you need to be. Mm-hmm. And then you've got it. You've got to go get your books cleaned up and you've got to provide it. And they're going to ask you for the same information a hundred times. And that 99th time, you're going to snap and try and call off a deal at the 12th hour just because you're emotional and you're ticked off. But I've also seen where private equity comes in and they'll say, we're going to give you a multiple of X, a multiple of EBIT of X. And of course, what these people don't realize is while EBIT has a definition, every every buyer calculates it differently, which I find really, absolutely yeah. hilarious. And, you know, well, we're, we're going to offer you X. And next thing you know, six months later, you're down to you're down to like two thirds of X. They've got deal right. fatigue on you and you settle. Yeah. Well, along the same lines, it gives you an interesting question. Do you want to sell to a financial buyer or a strategic buyer? So I put equity groups in a financial buyer. They may offer you more money. OK, but is it best for your business? Is it best for your employees? Do you find uh, a greater ease in handling things? I, I, in getting to the bottom line. There's nothing wrong with a financial buyer, but their motivation is typically different from my vantage point than a strategic buyer. And so that's an important, I think, issue to look at. But at the end of the day, when you're going down the road of thinking about retirement or changing direction, that's the time to bring on the professionals to say, I need help getting there. That's very difficult for, I find business owners in the Midwest, they're pretty much entrepreneurs, they're rebels. They've done their own deal. They've been able to get to this point in their life without a great number of experts. But it's in their best interest to get the smartest people in, pos- in place as soon as possible. It, it, I use the analogy that, and I see this more often than not, they'll go to their friend who's been their lifelong attorney, but he may be a litigator. He has no idea on how to do a transaction or even a, a banking type attorney or transaction attorney, but has never done an M&A. Would you go hire a heart doctor who does for heart surgery, who does it once a month, or would you hire a guy that does it once a day? So you want to find people that are you're highly qualified, don't have to be the best, but have done this enough and are committed to it over and over and over again. Um, Not all attorneys are, not all CPAs are, not all valuation people are. So you want to know that that's what they do and they're going to spend their time with you. Because here's the deal. Once you start a transaction, you're kind of doing it 24-7. And you want to make sure you like the guy because if he's a pain in the butt, you're not going to want to spend 24-7 with him, so to speak. Hope that's not too graphic. <laughs> no, it, it, it's a valid point. And uh, it, it's it's really a valid point. There's just And there's so many different types of attorneys. It's like, oh, I'm an attorney. Well, I mean, there's, there's a lot of different types of attorneys. And there's a lot of different types of uh, accountants. And, and the reality is, is you need an M&A attorney. You need a tax attorney. You need a tax planning accountant. You need a financial advisor who does comprehensive planning, not just asset management or not just insurance. And so there's so much to be done and it can become an overwhelming process. And to your point, you better have a good management team in place, A, so you can sell for a high high multiple, but B, so you can actually manage this transaction. The other thing that I look at along those lines, and thanks for bringing that up, you know, you can wind up at the end of the day 
if you've put together a good management team and a good company, you can wind up selling the business to them because they know your business best. They probably have a good idea what it's worth. You know, somewhat in the concept of an ESOP, employee stock option plan, I, not to say you have to use that, but the availability of getting people to buy into the company, both figuratively and literally, also has a real component and possible benefit for a lot of owners. The struggle there is usually they want to be cashed out all at once. And, you know, selling it to your employees is probably going to be more of something you do over a period of time. But again, another option. You need to get um, some people to come in, help you evaluate what the best option is. And then as the individual owner, what feels best to you? Or what, you know, depending on whether you're audio, visual, kinetic, right? What do you see? What do you hear? What do you feel, you know, is the best option? And then go forward from there. But at the end of the day, can you write down on a piece of paper, number one, when do I want to sell? And number two, why do I want to sell? And start there. Would that be the number one piece of advice you would give someone who's wanting to sell their business? Yep. Considering it? I think so. And you can strike out the win. I don't really think that's relevant. It's the why, right? Because the win will take I, care of itself. Yeah. But the why, I'm tired. Okay. How do we, I, I met with a guy over lunch and I introduced him, I'm introducing him to a sales manager, trainer. Okay. You know, it's to me, you know, it's hard to see when you're in the swamp, use a Florida analogy, you know, how to drain it. But, you know, he needs someone to come in and help him with the sales team. It's eating up all of his time. You know, if you can design a company where you have the highest amount of happiness, making the kind of money you want with less stress and freedom to do other things, isn't that the perfect company? And then do you really need to sell? But that means you're, you know, you're bringing people on board to run your company, probably give them a, you know, a piece of the action. So the question is why? Why would you sell? And secondarily, it's when. But I always like to start with when. In a perfect world, I will take out a whiteboard and at the top, I'll put two zero blank blank. And I just stop there. And they'll go, what is that for? I don't know. You tell me. We're talking about your life. What does that mean? I said, just come up with a number. So they come up with a number. And I go, well, why did you choose that number? That's when I want out. Great. Now we got a place to start. Why do you want it on that date? For what reason? And then basically work backwards. Start with the end in mind and work backwards until you get you know, the desired result of why. A lot of stress in the world, thank you, COVID. A lot of stress in the world, thank you, inflation. A lot of stress in the world, thank you, Ukraine. A lot of stress in the world, China. Great, how are we going to deal with this? How are we going to deal with Biden? How are we going to deal with Trump? I can't deal with anything, Sky, any of these. They're beyond my control. I can deal with what's between my ears, and I can deal with my behavior. That's it. So let's go deal with that. What do you want to do, and why do you want to do it? Dave, for any business owners listening or anyone who wants to connect with you, what's the best way to, to connect with you? Phone number 816-292-8297, or you can Say it again. My, Say it again. Thank you. 816-292-8297. Direct line. My email is dcider. Sounds like apple cider, but spelled differently. S is in Sam, E-I, two T's as in Tom, E-R, at... Spencer Fain, all one word. Spencer Fain is spelled F-A-N as in Nancy E dot com. You know, and they there'll be people there answer this almost on a 24 hour basis. So uh, we'll be happy to help you. But 
I think as well, I think the ultimate plan is um, to help you find where you got, want to go and why you want to go there. And uh, that's, that is over and beyond what most attorneys do, but that's what I like doing. I've got two deals going on right now. I'm, I'm helping them, but we're not going to do deals. It's, you know, it's just not time and that's okay. I'm yeah. more committed to getting the people going wherever they want to go. It's just, that's the discovery. Does that help? No, that's great. I mean, I could ask you questions for hours, but obviously we're we're on a time frame here. And I really appreciate you coming on, Dave. This has been really insightful. If if you're a business owner and you're considering selling, you should be talking to guys like Dave. This guy's been doing it for over four decades. He's done everything from million dollar transactions to three hundred million dollar transactions. And I've talked to a lot of these guys. Ain't many people who've done three three hundred million dollar transactions. So anyway, uh, once again, Dave, thank you so much for coming on. Well, thank you, Ross. I enjoyed it. I enjoyed your insight and uh, would help you in any way possible because obviously you got the Ryan mindset and you're a coach guy. (laughs) (laughs) Well, thanks again. You've been listening to the Exit Your Business Your Way podcast. This podcast is for informational purposes only. Guest speakers and their firms are not affiliated with or endorsed by Paz, Guardian, or North Florida Financial, and opinions stated are their own. External sites and material are provided for your convenience in locating related information services. Guardian, its subsidiaries, agents, and employees expressly disclaim any responsibility for and do not maintain, control, recommend, or endorse third-party sites, organizations, products, or services, and make no representation as to the completeness, suitability, or quality thereof. Ross is a registered representative and financial advisor of Park Avenue Securities, LLC, PAS, OSJ, 3664 Coolidge Court, Tallahassee, Florida, 32311, 850-562-9075. Securities products and advisory services offered through PAS, member FINRA, SIPC, financial representative of the Guardian Life Insurance Company of America, Guardian. New York, New York, PAS is a wholly owned subsidiary of Guardian. North Florida Financial is not an affiliate or subsidiary of PAS or Guardian. Arkansas Insurance License Number 1613-9032. California Insurance License Number 0L-10073-2022-143-6006. Expires 0924.